This podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check out the THN Patreon page to become a monthly supporter. And Omaha Bound. No one has more experience binding comic books into beautiful hardbound editions. Check out their work at OmahaBound.com. Thanks to Omaha Bound and stay tuned for an announcement about their Kickstarter for Paul Tobin and Phil Hester's Fringe series from Caliber Comics collected for the first time. Yes. Ho, ho, ha, ha. Remember me, old chum? Jolly devil. Welcome to THN Cover to Cover for Saturday, September 19th. Kids, it's Batman Day. Whoa. My name is Matt Bone. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. Here's how it works. Every Saturday morning at 1030 Central, Matt and I go live on the Facebook page to rap about the week's nerd news. Then we open the phone lines at 11 for you nerds to play along. Okay, I got to ask before we get started. Well, first, you can call us at 402-819-4894. You can click our Facebook Call Now button. You can chat with us in our Facebook Live chat if you want to get in on the action. You can also, in that chat, find that Joe Patrick was smart enough to figure out how to pin the code for Zoom if you want to come in. And you're more than welcome to turn off your video if you do. You will be muted upon entry. You can raise your hand. There's a way to do that. I don't know how it works, but that's not my problem. I'm the host. And I will unmute you. And then you can talk later on. It's super fun. And you can see our, our lovely faces. You can see that I have some bags under my eyes because I've been staying up too late playing Final Fantasy VII, the remake. And, oh, my God, I love it so much. <laughs> it's so great. But, oh, also, if you can't be here live, you can always shoot us a message on the twoheadednerd at gmail.com. I believe they call those electronic mails. You can drop an MP3 in there. Or you can just leave a message on the phone line anytime. It's open 24 hours a day. You can hear my beautiful voice. And there's even music there if you just want to call and check it out. It's pretty groovy. Before we get started, it is Batman Day. And I got to ask, why DC fans got to be such jerks? Why? Bunch, you know that it's not all DC fans, Bunch right? of kids up there like, Batman Just Day. like it's not Batman everybody. Like, Batman, Batman, Batman. And then people coming in and they're like, fuck you, Tony Stark. It's Batman Day. What are you? Eat it. Eat it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, time out. Wow, what's that all about? Are people- and how many of these interactions did you actually <laughs> oh, there see? There was a bunch. I responded to some. I, I was like, seriously, guys, is there an Iron Man, Batman thing? Like, are we not allowed to like both? Can, is there not enough room in our hearts for both Iron Man and Batman? And why Iron nope. Man and Batman? How come Pick no one, one was like, screw you? Because they're both rich. Screw you, Captain America. Or eat crap, She-Hulk. It's Batman Day. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, why Iron both, Man? Because they're both billionaires. So we can only have one rich white billionaire Be- built their house. own stuff. Yes. Sorry. All right. All right. You have to pick one. You know what? I didn't take into account the uh, rich white billionaire thing. That that makes sense. All right. Fine. Well, that's on you. That's on you. Buddy. I still think DC fans are a bunch of bitches. And before we get started, we need to give these kids something to talk about. Joe Patrick, it's time for Nerd News. It's like a foghorn. Greg Rucka's Stumptown adaptation starring Kobe Smulders on ABC has been given the axe, even though a second season was given the green light last May. That's got to be Stump- shitty. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. It's like, just kidding. Yay, we all uh, have jobs. No, you don't. Boom. 
Stumptown was supposed to return to its Wednesday primetime spot with the beginning of the fall season, but filming delays due to COVID prevented the show from being ready for its premiere. Uh, and then after that, ABC just decided not to move forward with a second season. However, it's rumored that they're shopping the series around to other networks and streaming services, which is good. Uh, the show did well. It scored well. Uh, so it's not a ratings issue. I love how you had just just wedge that in there, even though it was clearly stated that it was due to COVID. Well, but still, no, I mean, like they did cancel it. So they don't have the excuse of no one was watching it. That's the thing. It's a good show. People dug it. I do it a think show. a show like Stumptown which we should tell everybody, Stumptown, if you weren't watching it and you've never read the Greg Rucka book, you should. It's an excellent title, and I believe it's all collected in one trade right now that you can pick up. It follows Dex Perios, who is a strong, assertive, sharp-witted army veteran. I didn't write this part. With a complicated love life, gambling debt, and a brother to take care of in Portland, Oregon. Her military intelligence skills make her a great PI, but her unapologetic style puts her in the firing line of hardcore criminals and not quite an alliance with the police. Dex Perios is another super well-written female character by Greg Rucka. She's tough. She's flawed. She has a mentally handicapped brother that she's raising and trying to take care of. It is an open love letter to Portland, Oregon as well, where Rucka grew up. It's such a fantastic book. The show is good. I'm not going to say the show is great, but I will say that it's definitely good. No, the show is great. The show is great. I think it could be better served on a streaming service where they could open it up a little more and go a little more hardcore into like the actual Rucka stuff. There was some yeah. of it. No, 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 no. I just don't I think totally it was hard disagree. Enough. I totally disagree. There was nothing wrong with the tone and the content of the Stumptown show. There was nothing wrong with the tone and the content. I agree. I think it felt like an ABC show, and I would rather see a harder edge Stumptown. Stump. When I think of Stumptown the comic, I don't think of hard edged. Dex Perios has one of the filthiest mouths I've ever read in comics. Ever. Okay, so what? She was also like, a hard-drinking, sex-having badass. <laughs> like, yeah, and know. all of that stuff was in the show except for the cursing. Yeah, it just felt kind of like, I, I'm not saying it was like Diet Stumptown, but I think it could be better served on a Netflix or a Hulu or a, you See, know, I don't need that Or the shit. Rokus like, like, or whatever the kids are watching, you know? Like, I, I thought that it struck a perfect tone and I thought it was a great adaptation of the comic, it's a shame that it's gone because I really, really liked that show. Yeah, um, and I know that at first they kind of they were they weren't sure if they were going to get a full season or not, uh, and then they did. Um, but yeah, this is a bummer. Um, I don't buy any of that nonsense about it doing better on streaming. No, network shows are fine. Mm, network shows yes. viewing are way down. Aside from NCIS, Law and Order, stuff that. Super old people watch. <laughs> Except we just got done saying that this was not canceled. This cancellation had nothing to do with the ratings. But if you look, so, where does it say those ratings were? They were in delayed and on-demand numbers. That's people that are watching it streaming. It's people that are watching it on their DVRs. And streaming. Which is what I did. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So what? Old people don't know how to work DVRs, Joe. We all know that, okay? They're all tuning in to watch, uh, what's his head? Uh, Mark Harmon. You know, <laughs> in real time. And they're going to watch the commercials because they're Americans, Joe. All right. God. Look, I don't I just don't buy this argument that like every show has to would automatically be better if it was done on a streaming service where it could be foul mouthed. And no, I don't I don't need every show to be like that. 
like this was a f- an excellent show that I really enjoyed. And I think if they brought it back, like they brought back AP bio. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's uh, fun. It's still good. Yeah. I mean, I only got to see one episode because you have to pay five bucks a month if you want to watch it. Not everybody does. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Casey and I are, are about six episodes in on AP bio and it's still great. Now, I will say they're definitely dropping some cuss words here and there that they weren't doing right. on NBC. And that, that happened in the first episode. It shook me like, a little bit. Like, Jesus, H, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. it, it felt so out of place. Like, I don't need that in every show. I, just because you can doesn't mean you should or, or you have to. I couldn't believe Patton Oswald like, showed his tool in the second episode. Like, Whipped it right out. Full frontal Patton Oswald. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. But um, anyway, yeah, like uh, R.I.P. Stumptown. I do hope that somebody picks it up. I have a feeling um, somebody will. I, I, I mean, it, it was a well, if you look at like shows like, I mean, Cobra Kai got picked up by Netflix and it did good on YouTube, but it couldn't have had as many viewers as Stumptown did on ABC. So someone's going to pick this up. I don't know. I guess I, I guess I don't know how. Uh, I don't know how YouTube is judged in that way. I mean you know you could see the views right there i suppose so you can see the views <laughs> yeah. yeah but i mean i don't know but with like youtube red and the uh, our um youtube red that's i think youtube called. red is gone yeah indeed uh but uh you know i don't know how they are measuring the original content that the youtube measured the original content like, right i don't i don't mean like literally measure because i know you can see the views but how they judge it you sure. know what i mean sure Let's get to some comic news. Yeah. The artist that helped revitalize Black Panther alongside Tanisi Coates is back with a new project coming to Marvel. Pardon me. And a brand new character. Brian Stelfreeze and longtime buddy Doug Wagner are teaming for a new limited series that will introduce Thomas River, who they call the most badass American secret agent ever. They certainly have the name down. Got it. Thomas River. Thomas River. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard. Jack Reacher. Jack Ryan. Totally. It's all right there. They could have just called him Jack River. To fit the Jack, the whole Jack theme. (laughs) It's a quote from the creative team. To me, Thomas River is the ultimate American patriot and my vision of the perfect CIA operative. Sorry, this is Wagner talking. He's smart. He's methodical. He's surgically precise. He stands up for truth, honor, and fairness, and he'll do what it takes to uphold those virtues. Being raised by a mother and a retired Marine with high values and high expectations, he doesn't really know anything else. The book opens with the largest terrorist attack on American soil since 9-11. One of the attacks takes place in Rivers' home, Baltimore, but before the day is over, Rivers is called in by the President of the United States herself and charged with tracking down the people who orchestrated and carried out the heinous act as River chases leads across the globe. In his effort to bring the guilty to justice, he will discover the plot goes deeper than he ever could have imagined. This sounds fun. It's James Bond, Jason Bourne, John Wick, but what does this guy have that they don't? He's black. Bam. His name's not Jack. His name is also not Jack. I'll give you that. Or Jason. Oh, but I guess John Wick's name is also not Jack. Yeah, that's true. Neither is uh, James or Jason. Fair, but they are all (laughs) J names. (laughs) They are a bunch of J names. Yeah, for some reason. Well, I love Stealth Freeze, and the guy does not work enough. He just doesn't. Yeah. uh, And Doug Wagner, um, he's one of the co-creators of The Ride, uh, which is this fun kind of... uh, noirish uh you know grimy little action action series centered around this car 
Thomas River is scheduled to launch this November, and the duo, along with publisher 12 Gauge Comics, are taking pre-orders now on Kickstarter. All right, well, then that means it's self-published because 12 Gauge Comics is the name of their art studio. Oh, I thought it was a dude named 12 Gauge, and he puts out comics. Yeah, this is my buddy, 12 Gauge. <laughs> He's got a print and press in the back. Uh, I don't know why Brian Stelfry sounds like that. I'm sorry, I don't make the rules. Maybe that's Wagner. <laughs> Brian Stelfreys doesn't work enough. He's an amazing artist. Super. Yeah, totally agree. I I love his work a lot. Um, But you know what? He's also the sort of name where it's like he can pick and choose his own projects. I assume so. He's he's sort of like what late nineties kind of a lot of that cachet was when he was sort of yeah yeah. I think he's his. He kind of got big in in that era, you know, the latter half of the nineties. But for not sure. like a school of Jim Lee or Rob Leefield. Not no. at all. His art is very kind of like hard line, edgy, really cool looking. If you have not read the Tanahisi Coates Black Panther that he worked on, you friggin' need to. It is not only beautiful, it's an amazing story. And it was sort of like the story before the movie, before the first movie that really vaulted Black Panther way up there into the Marvel A-list, I would argue. Always love oh, the you character. Know uh, uh, apparently, he started his career on a sci-fi miniseries in the mid-80s called Psychops. He's been around for a long time. I remember seeing him do his stuff at like Dark Horse Presents back in the day and stuff. So he's definitely been around for a long time, but I think his most popular work was probably late 90s. Yeah, he did like some, he did a bunch of like covers for Batman Shadow of the Bat. Throw, go to Kickstarter, throw some it's money at era. this. Brian Stelfer is a super talented guy. Wagner, buddy of his, I don't really know very well, but go throw some cash at this. This sounds cool. Yeah. In MCU casting news, HBO's Lovecraft County, Lovecraft Country or Lovecraft County? I think it's Lovecraft Country. Anyway, the star of that show, Jonathan Majors, is the MCU's Kang the Conqueror. Majors will play the time-traveling villain in the next Ant-Man movie opposite Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly. Sources add that, like with so many new characters in the MCU, there could be a twist uh, with how the character, character is featured in future films, but as of now, he's likely to be one of the main villains in the next installment of the Ant-Man franchise. Uh, Director Peyton Reed is returning uh, with Jeff Loveness writing the script. Uh, Johnson was also in, uh, pardon me, not Johnson, Majors, was also in uh, Spike Lee's The Five Bloods, which I have not watched yet. It's it's fantastic. It is so good. He plays the son of one of the characters and goes with them back to Vietnam to look for the buried gold. He's amazing. Lovecraft country is stunning some of the best horror i've seen on tv it's so friggin' good i can't decide if i like it or not oh god i love it i've seen i've seen every episode and every episode i'm like what the hell just happened i don't know what's wrong with you i think it's fantastic no it's not like i i just think that i know that the book itself was an anthology sort of what do you mean uh so it's not just one story in the novel that that this uh, show is based on. Oh, uh, there was the initial story uh, with them, you know, finding the mansion and all that. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but then it moves, uh, it gets broken into smaller chunks throughout the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. And I think that that might be fine in the book, but I, I feel like it makes the show feel kind of disjointed. I think you're totally wrong. I love it. Uh, 
I think it looks gorgeous. I think it feels like an old school sort of horror anthology show, like Friday the 13th, the series or something like that. Where yeah, it's like but the thing is, is that it's all about the same characters still. Well, so was Friday the 13th, the series. I mean, like they were tracking down, you know. Uh, curios and stuff that they that were haunted and whatever and like this time it was a story of like a kid that had a haunted rocking horse or whatever that they had to come and get and you get to see all the background there and stuff you know oh man I love it enough of that let's talk about a Kang. haunted a haunted curio cabinet let's talk about Kang for a minute real quick lay down Kang for those who don't know uh so Kang is a time traveling uh dictator from the far future he is one of the uh, greatest enemies of the Avengers. Uh, he's also got like 17 different identities. Yes. Um, he, he is at various points in his lifetime, Nathaniel Richards or the descendant of Nathaniel Richards. Mm-hmm. Um, he is Immortus, uh, a, 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 an ancient Egyptian Pharaoh. Yeah, He's like his own dad. <laughs> he is uh I'm sorry, not Amortis. Uh Rama Tut is, uh, is right. that version's name. Um he is Kang. He is Iron Lad, uh, who is his younger self, who was a good guy. Yep. And then he is also Immortus, his elderly version of himself, who hates who hates himself. Can't stand him. They hate each other. I that's will- like I love it so much. That's like going back in time and meeting your teen self and being like that fucking guy. I, I would have hated my teen self. I would have beat the <laughs> shit out of my teen self. Kang is um, such a friggin' cool character. He, he's one of my favorite villains. Is Kang too big? I mean, no pun intended for I, for Ant-Man. <laughs> like, it I mean, they, like, did the, they did the friggin' microverse, man. I don't, I mean, I don't but know. Yeah, but that's where he goes and whatnot. I'm just saying, like, he fought Yellow Jacket, you know, he fought right. Ghost, and now you graduate to Kang, one of the most powerful villains in the Marvel universe. <laughs> hey, baby, he's an Avenger now. I, Welcome to the team. Hope you survived the experience. My only hope is that this is not a one-off thing for Kang like I don't want Kang no 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 uh, you were out of the room it says that um, it says that he's like could be one of the main villains in the franchise I mean I get that it says that they uh, there could be a twist with how the character is featured in future films I hope so and I don't I don't nec- I don't think they mean just like they're gonna keep cranking out Ant-Man, Ant-Man movies, movies with yeah, Kang yeah I hope <laughs> we do see more Kang because the character is so interesting <clears throat> and the fact that he's a time traveler means he can visit all kinds of other older Marvel films and pop up here and there, sure. you know, which could uh, be super fun. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Avengers end, end game obviously opened the door to the whole idea of time travel in the Marvel universe. Right. I kind of doubt we're going to see Kang as we are familiar with him as this purple faced, you know, puffy shirt wearing weirdo. I don't know, man. But like, think what, look at the other Marvel gave us Groot. Marvel gave us Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, no, it's true. We never would have thought shit like that would happen. I think Kang, he looks cool. I don't think Mm -hmm. Kang has like a ridiculous superhero outfit. He looks like a time traveler. He looks like crazy dude from the future. Got a weird helmet, purple face, baggy green outfit. You know, he's, Kang is awesome. And I think he's one of those that could just translate directly to the screen. Oh, well, okay. That's, (laughs) that's a little. (laughs) I want it. That's a little hopeful. <laughs> I want it. I want I want Carlos Pacheco, Avengers Forever, Kang, just boom on the screen. And yeah. they 
better mention Immortus. They friggin' better. There, no <laughs> way. They have to. Uh, so you you want to talk about Kang at Central Reading real, real yeah, quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what, what um, do kids want to read? I can think read? of exactly two Kang stories that really had a huge impact. Uh, and that was Avengers Forever. Yeah. And uh, the Kang Dynasty, I think it's called, which was Kurt Busiek's last story uh, when he was writing the Avengers book. And it was like 87 parts long. <laughs> the Kang Dynasty was Avengers 41 through 44 back in 2001. Oh, no way. It was way longer than that. That's what it says. Um, no. Oh, it also it went may, through. It, may be, it might be 31 oh, no, through I'm 44. Sorry. It also went through Thunderbolts 57. And then it continued in Avengers 45, 46. They had a break in 47 because it was a one shot thing. Back to 48. 49 yeah. yeah it ended in it's, 54 yeah yeah there you go yeah it's long um but uh i there, there are other kang stories i've not read many uh, um young but avengers. i've read both of those <sighs> oh young avengers yeah young avengers young avengers uh, amazing the children's kang crusade story. i think or was he involved in the children's crusade i think so that was the return of iron lad <laughs> excuse me sneezing here uh, there was a story that ran through Guardians of the Galaxy and Young Avengers. This would have been back the 2005 Guardians of the Galaxy. So friggin' good. And that's where we basically, like, learned the truth about Iron Lad and that he was Young Kang, which is <laughs> <Just> so cool. <laughs> Love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think that's going to be great. But the big news for me this week was that they cast She-Hulk this week. They finally revealed that Orphan Black and Perry Mason star Tatiana Maslany is your Jen Walters, better known as She-Hulk, for the upcoming Disney Plus Marvel series. I can't think of a better choice. She is phenomenal. She's stupid talented. She was wonderful in Perry Mason. She played 17 different characters in Orphan Black, so she's definitely yeah. got range. Nothing to worry about there. The thing that freaked me out, I was just like, oh yeah, she's a really good actress. She'll be great. And then... I think it was Dan Slott started putting side-by-side -side pictures of Jen Walters from his run and Tatiana. She looks exactly like her. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. She, she it's kind of amazing. exactly like Jen Walters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk, was the last major character to be co-created by Stan Lee. Uh, she is an attorney by day, cousin of Bruce Banner, a.k.a. the Hulk. And she gained her powers from an emergency blood transfusion from her cousin, uh, but unlike Banner, she was able to keep her intelligence and personality when she hulked out until recently. I hope that they ignore all of that and yeah. we get Dan Slott, lawyer, she hulk. That's all I want. I do too. Do you think they're going to go straight up? This is like old school she hulk origin. Like she got a blood transfusion from Bruce Banner. I don't see why not. I mean, yeah, I like they still have these guys under contract to pop or, you know, pop in and out of stuff. So I don't yeah, see why. And you know that Mark Ruffalo is down for that. Yeah. I, like, could, I don't see a reason why Ruffalo couldn't make an appearance or do something along those lines. I mean, I know there's no problem. There's no like weirdness with the She-Hulk origin where it's like, no, that wouldn't translate well at all. Sure. She gets a blood transfusion from the Hulk. Now, I don't know why they'd have to explain uh, that. She was shot. No, but I mean, like, why can she only get a blood transfusion from, you know, Bruce Banner. Well, he was the only one there. Like oh. it was an emergency situation. She was bleeding out and he was like, fuck it. He's like, my drink my blood. And he pours it in her mouth. <laughs> yeah. Right down the gullet, <laughs> yeah, you know, awesome. over the lips, over the, past the lips and through the gums. Yeah. Look out stomach. Here I come. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think this is such great casting, and totally. I can't believe it never occurred to me before. Um, and I agree. We, mentioned- we need the Dan Slot She-Hulk. We need. I want to see yes, lawyer I- Jen dealing with like the day to day, and when she can't take that anymore, turns into She-Hulk. Whoops! Ass. Yes, like I, I think Dan Slot's first run on She-Hulk is ready made to adapt into this show. Let's just talk about where, that real quick. We were talking about essential She-Hulk reading. Dan Slott's yeah. She-Hulk. So for me, number one with a bullet is Dan Slott's run on She-Hulk, which was constantly in danger of getting canceled. Yeah. And then it eventually was. And the premise of that is, is uh, she was kind of in a, in a bad spot personally, personally wise, uh, personally wise, personally. I think you just yeah. stop with personally. <laughs> In terms of like, you know, uh, she was you know, parting too much her, you know, she was crashing at Avengers mansion and the Avengers were getting really frustrated with her. Yeah. Uh, you know, she was just kind of like down and out a little bit. And then uh, she gets a job working for this law firm um, that specializes in superhuman legal cases. Like, for example... Uh, Spider-Man suing J. Jonah Jameson for libel. <laughs> uh, or, you know, uh, and it was just so full of wonderful new big ideas that yeah. were great contributions. Like they introduced a new prison into the Marvel U. You know, we always had the vault. Right. And, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and they introduced the ant farm. Oh, Which yeah. is a prison <laughs> full of miniaturized supervillains. Yeah, they use like created Pym. by Hank Pym. Yeah, they made like use Pym particles and they shrunk everybody. And like, well, he's not dangerous anymore. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's so good. It's so good and lighthearted and fun. And that's exactly what you want in a She-Hulk story. Definitely. Like, as much as I enjoy this current run of Avengers, I hate yeah. serious dumb she-hulk yeah. i hate it i don't need it I, it's like we they don't even do that with the hulk anymore and there's a reason it's because it's not interesting it was interesting for a it's little played bit out yeah it's totally played out we don't need this and if you want to go savage she-hulk you can still do that but make her smart and mad i think that would have been way more interesting yeah you know like they they went through this thing uh after civil war ii where she got she got very seriously wounded right and so she was, you know, they did this whole like PTSD thing with uh, Mariko Tamaki uh, as the writer. And like, yes, that's an interesting, fun take. You know, she's damaged. It was, she's scared. It was also very well written. It just. And you know what? That time has come and gone. Yes. Like, I'm done with it. You should have told that story and let it end with Tamaki either redeeming the character or getting past her trauma and coming back to Jen Walters, even more powerful than she was, you know, taking it back. Yeah. Like, and I'm not like, I'm not like trying to downplay, you know, anybody's trauma, but like, this is comics and this is She-Hulk. Right. Like, this is an idea with a limited shelf life. And you're like really Tom Cruise about this where you don't think trauma exists and you're not into therapy. I'm about to jump up on this chair, (laughs) Oprah style. Um, My first I fell in love with the She-Hulk. Like the first time I met her was in the pages of Fantastic Four when she joined mm. the team back in issue 265. She replaced the thing. And it's like we had double lady power on the FF. I loved her in the blue and white FF uniform. She was so great. This was John Byrne at the time. 
super fun run on Fantastic Four. If you want to pick up some classic stuff, the Dan Slot stuff is wonderful. She was uh, in A-Force, which was like a tie-in and back in 2015 to the whole Secret Wars thing, which was a great read and ended way too early. So much great She-Hulk stuff out there, though. And I, I think this is going to be fun. I think she's going to be... This is an excellent show that writes itself, but they need to do the lawyer aspect. You got to do that. I want to see both sides. Uh, yeah, I like I need... I'm ready for... I'm ready for the MCU to kind of embrace its comic booky. Yeah. It's more comic booky aspects, you know, the, the silliness of it. Right. Like you, all right, here we are. And you know what? I think like Spider-Man homecoming did a great job with this where it's like, all right, here we are. We live in a world now where alien shit's falling from the sky Yeah, and they took my job away. So I guess I'm selling this stuff on the black market now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then, you know, they introduced damage control. I wish we had gotten a little bit more about damage control, but whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I need this. I need them to embrace this idea now. It's like, well, we live in a world where there are gods walking the earth and people walking on walls right. and guys waking up from suspended animation. Yeah, definitely. It, like, yeah, just roll with it, man. Roll with it. Yeah. And She-Hulk is a great place to do that perfect place to do it and this is coming to disney plus it'll be there with you know falcon winter soldier and wandavision and the other shows uh, yeah loki yep there's no release date yet kat corio is the director she worked on it's always sunny she worked on shameless she worked on dead to me and rick and morty writer jessica gow is leading the script so tons of talent here i don't think there's anything to worry about i just hope they do what we were talking about that's i just hope they go in that direction I totally agree. 100%. All right, Joe Patrick, we've gone way over rapping about this crap. Let's set these kids up with the question of the week, and then we will open the phone and zoom lines. You got it, baby. This week's question was submitted by Lord Stephen Fino, the THN master of coin. He writes, I hate plaid in comics. Whenever an artist gives a character a plaid piece of clothing, they almost never draw the pattern themselves. They just copy and paste a plaid background into the art creating what Steven calls the eternal plaid. It's true. Which is exactly the same no matter how a character is positioned or how the clothes are falling on their bodies or if they're upside down or backwards or whatever. So, what is a minor nitpick in comic art or writing that was pointed out to you and now you can never unsee it? Alright. It's a fun one. The phone lines are open, 402-819-4894. The Zoom is open. Feel free to jump in. Remember, kill your vidya, and I will unmute you if you're a good boy and doing your you know, your job, good boy or girl. Speaking of which, we've got a good boy right here, Mr. Brian Domingos. His hand is up. He's getting unmuted now. Mr. Domingos, can you hear us? I can. What's going on, guys? Oh, you know, we're kicking it. We were just talking some she-holes. What is, what's up with you, and what do you want to rap about? Um... On She-Hulk, um, I th- that first, I think it's 12 issues, the first uh, Dan Slott um, and like Juan uh, Bobillo um, yeah, run Bobillo, is yeah. so terrific. And um, it should, if, when they don't do that as the TV show, I will be disappointed because that is, <laughs> yeah, the, you know, it's, 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 the, it's the only thing they should do. Like it, the, all of these shows are like, they're just like they're almost in the movies too like they're they're almost too grand like there's too much big stuff happening yeah. and there there is and that is the you know the the whole thing of the marvel stuff in the 60s was 
these are regular people. You know, these are day to day living their life, struggling to get, you know, to, to, you know, pay their rent or blah, right. blah, blah, all that stuff. Right. And I don't want to see her running around with the Avengers. Yeah. Like I want I want it to be like her working in a law firm and you know, the Baba Yaga comes in from Ant-Man and he needs help. On totally agree. I totally, you know, that's what we need. And right. I think that's something they can do with these new Disney plus shows that they haven't been able to do with the movies. The movies have to be huge in scape and they got to tell a story and they had to push, you know, the MCU forward. Now we can take a breath. We can, we can have a day with these characters. We can see other parts of their life. We can see them go on a date. We can see them work, you know? I, I really hope, and that's the other thing about She-Hulk, is I think she's one of the most relatable female characters in the Marvel U because she's smart, she's funny, she's super tough, super sexy, but guess what? When she's not She-Hulk, she's actually a diminutive, like, short, you know, kind of quiet woman. And she gets to have this double personality that I really hope they explore. Yeah. I, I think that that first series is um, really great. The second one, they kind of, um, they went a little more like super heroic, which I didn't think was as good. Yeah. Um, but the first one's great. And then also the, uh, the Matt fraction and Mike Allred um, F what was it FF um, book that where, she-Hulk and yeah. Ant-Man were like the temporary on Earth Fantastic Four yeah. has <laughs> some of the best She-Hulk where she's, you know, she hulked out, but um there's a date episode issue where it's like Christmas time and she's on a date with um what's his name? Wyatt Wingfoot, and it's like Ugh. amazing. And it's just like this great, and it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I too am in love with She-Hulk. If like, we can have know, like Wyatt, if we get Wyatt Wingfoot on TV. I will just like slide off of my couch into a puddle <laughs> on the floor and be like, okay, <laughs> you, this know, is, you this did is it. Like, <laughs> there you go, it, Marvel. <laughs> it's just one of those things like they, there's literally no reason they can't do it. They've yeah. done, they've shown with, with 22, you know, 20 plus movies and more coming and like, just don't be, don't be safe. Just go for it. I any, totally agree. Like who's in, who, which characters live in New York city? Just find them. Yeah. You know, Jessica Jones is in there. Get some, you know, maybe she goes up against the the Netflix daredevil. Like, you know, just get every cool your jets there, the mister. Table. Okay. You know well, what I mean? You know, a kid like, show. You almost knocked your microphone off the stand. I saw that. I know. If, they, if they do this, if they do a lawyer aspect and they don't get Charlie Cox on that show, yeah. what are we even doing here? Speaking of which, or, like, this month Marvel just got like all the rights back from Netflix for those characters. The shows are still on Netflix, but Marvel can now start making, I don't know, TV or. Yeah. They Cause they, in, there was like a two year. Right. A hiatus or whatever. They a had, two year. Uh, yeah. Like they could, none. They couldn't touch. Do them. not compete or something like that. But yeah, now they've got Daredevil back. They've got Luke Cage back. There's no reason why you couldn't have Jen in New York. And by the way, if the awesome Android is not working in her office, right? <laughs> I want I'm awesome Andy. Andy. <laughs> Look, I mean, now we're getting into some Kang territory. I want right? awesome <laughs> Andy. Aspects are not yeah. going to be I in mean, there. Like it, it is. Yeah, I mean, you guys were talking about Kang. I realized I don't really know anything about Kang. Like I know I the Kang. broad strokes. I know who he is, and I know all that stuff. But like you mentioned, the two key stories are like those massive kind of mind-numbing with continuity Avengers stories and like like Avengers Forever like I remember being like oh this is a really cool story and then I when I was 
when it was coming out and I went back to read it and I was like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> it, I, was, it was like so dense. It was so super like, thick in Avengers continuity. No question. Yeah. I, and I have like no history. So, it, you know, that was, I think, I don't know, 97, 98, like, I was yeah. like, oof, this is like, it, I, it was mostly the Carlos Pacheco art. You know, you could just flip pages and be like, oh, this looks really cool. It was beautiful. Um, it was beautiful. Um, but King will be, um, I think, a little more difficult um, to do because there's like. Well, I mean, yes the, the and fact no. that the, there's there's like, you know, ghost of Christmas past and Christmas present and future, like all the different. <laughs> I you sincerely know, hope that's I, what they do. Iron Blade to Immortus is crazy. I like, sincerely it, it's hope of- they do something along those lines where it's like Ant-Man may not even be like Kang's problem. Kang is around something that Ant-Man discovers and then Ant-Man figures out that Kang is like 15 different people all fighting each other like all over the timeline. You know, like, what the hell? Because Ant-Man can't go toe-to-toe with Kang. I mean, that's not how it's well, going to work. I, I I think Ant-Man is probably the, the most street level of the movies. You yeah. know, like, it's pretty, you know, other than, you know, the like the microverse or whatever they call it. But um, it's the idea of like, Oh, King's going to be an Ant-Man. I was like, why is it just cause you like, I don't get how I was a little and, shocked you know, too. Definitely. It does seem like weird... maybe you save Kang for your fantastic four, you know, movie or something, or, you know, like something a little more far out. But then again, uh, it's also a great way to take a hyper serious. I mean, let's be honest, ridiculous villain like Kang and put him in a movie that people love, they know they're going to go in to have fun, and you get to meet a big bad villain where we can still laugh at Paul Rudd. You know, I think it's kind of genius. With with this news, I think we can infer that Marvel might be ready to lead to the Fantastic Four. Yeah, I think that's uh, at, at least at least maybe by the end of this next phase. Yeah, um, and Wolverine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. No, they, they are, they're waiting patiently. They're like, yeah, Eternals has to come out and no one's, you know, whatever it's going to make a billion dollars and blah, 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 but no one will remember. And then we move to the next one. Like there's all these like things they've announced that I think they really want to get to the good stuff. Yeah. Like Ching Shi, like, all right. But I don't know that Ching Shi is moving the dial as far as like the epic stories they're looking the, for the overreaching arc right yeah yeah like it, he's gonna be like it'll be like ant-man like i bet he ends up an avenger and, though bet you anything he ends up on a new oh, avenger I, team it's they're gonna have to do another thing where you know all the nerds cry for 20 minutes when yeah. they're all on screen again and it's like guys can you guys shut up so i can watch this movie please because <laughs> like it's so shocking that everyone they paid a lot of money is on screen together i'm blown away by this idea and yeah it's not exactly that, anymore now we're just like you have to do it before we demanded well, it sure but now you have to do it <laughs> well, and that's a little bit like of the, the, you know, some, a little bit of time has passed. like the end of like end game where it's like, they're all back. It's like, yeah, we knew, like, are you guys new? Like, have you, have you never seen a, a, you've never read one of these things before. You've never experienced a superhero movie where, yeah, they're all back. Everyone came back except right. the two women that they killed. But, um, although one of them sort of came back, but I don't know. It's a, it's like, let's, let's get over like our, we have expectations. Just watch it. Just take it in. And, you know, Shen Chi is going to, I don't know, jump off cap shield and punch crossbones in the face. And it, it's going to happen. Just let it, let that happen. I'm with so. Joe though, as well, where I think the idea of bringing a character like Kang in, you've introduced the idea of time travel in Dr. Strange and in, you know, the last Avengers movie. Now you've got to introduce the idea that someone else paid attention to the fact that, Hey, 
these, you know, hairless apes on this planet are time traveling all of a sudden. Like, maybe we should go check this out, you know? Whenever they want, it seems. Yeah, well, <laughs> right. And that can't well, go, that can't just go unseen. That, like, there's problems in that. So my guess well, is I, something happened when they went back in time in the Avengers movie that did something worse in the future or something along nah, those lines. No, nah, I think it's like Star Trek First Contact where it's just like, oh, these Vulcans happened to notice. <laughs> right, there's a blip on their radar. Right. That like, these idiots accidentally went to warp speed (laughs) (laughs) and yeah i think it's i think it'd be more like rather than like oh god the avengers fucked up big time i think it's more like kang is kanging it up out there in the future and he's like oh wait a minute what or they have to make kang like they try to stop him and they're like oh shit nope we need kang in the timeline this is bad now we gotta save kang that would be awesome. Ant-Man saves Kang. Has and, to. Yeah. Has to. Because Immortus is even worse. And who can fight Immortus? Ugh, Kang! Have, have, they, have they had Iron Lad punching Immortus in the face? Has that happened? No. They have come face to face, though. Though Iron Lad did team up with Immortus against Kang for a while. And then figured out that, like, oh, shit, Immortus is even worse than Kang. My bad. <laughs> yeah, that, that's those things where it's like it, my Marvel knowledge, it starts to like my eyes roll back in my head like, uh, thank God Jimmy Chung grew this because I don't have any idea what's going on. Oh, I, I, love I, don't, I, love I, I don't know what they're, I don't know who, I, like I know who they are. I just don't really get. Um, and there's so many things of the relationships that I just don't have the the knowledge of. That, sure, sure. Um, like in the in the Vision series, the, the Tom King one, like I found it kind of impenetrable because I didn't get the references and um like the end of the first issue when the what's that guy he's like a clone i think he's got like his brother's brain waves or something or some um i don't know some some villain shows up and like smashes vision's house the green reaper I, oh right yeah and i was like i don't i don't know what that is and they're like can you believe it i was like i don't know who grim reaper is and i don't know the, the significance of it. the so, grim reaper know. is wonder man's brother right Right. And the vision's brain is based on the brain patterns of Wonder Man back when they thought right. Wonder Man was dead. Um, which is something that you would only know uh, if you'd read those comics or right. read the handbook or whatever, because they definitely didn't go into detail in the vision comic book. And I was yeah, I like the Grim Reaper, not an A list villain. I mean, <laughs> he was a, he was yeah, a guy it, that literally like didn't have a left hand, but had a big knife instead <laughs> you know? and it yeah, shot lasers as i recall he could shoot lasers out of it yeah it had it like was, energy stuff yeah yeah <laughs> it was one of those things of as a guy i don't i i have fun with vision i'm not this this is obviously not written for me because i don't know what they're doing or who this guy is and um it was definitely for one, hardcore avengers fans but it's still a okay, fantastic okay. book um i'll take your word for it um for the uh, the quick the question of the week um it's it's close to the uh my big issue with things and um, cause I've, you know, I've nitpicked many things over the years, but um, when I'm reading a, a compelling um, issue of something and the credits are on the last page and then there's a cliffhanger on the last page, like it drives me insane. Like, cause sometimes I'm like, Oh, the coloring in this is great. The who, who's the artist on oh, this? Like I want to know, okay. like, I, I, you know, like I really want to know like who as, as in, someone who's enjoying the entire package of from story to art to production, like, yeah. Oh my God. Like the, the lettering is particularly like interesting, like who did it? And I'm flipping through and I get to the end and it's like, 
you know, someone's dead and it's like, guys, put the credits on the first page. Yeah. No, like, I don't totally agree. <laughs> credits should always I, I, be first page, right front and center, because there's nothing that it does for the drama of book. We're like, oh my God, Magneto's dead. Brought to you by Chris Claremont and VC's whatever colorist and Joey Jojo Johnson Jr. Shab. Like that does not like yeah. push <laughs> right. the drama yeah. of the death of whoever whatsoever. It, 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 you know? <laughs> I've had many, there, there was the, um, that the, uh, death metal crisis thing. Um, and I was looking at that and something and I, I just read it yesterday and there was a, I'm going through and I'm like, Oh, that's, this looks a little different. Like it's not the normal colorist. And I get, I'm looking, looking and I get to the last page and I'm like, Oh, well it's a different colorist. And yeah, great. I just spoiled this, the, the, like, and it's, it's not even like a, it's, it's a, it's a buildup that in the story, like right. there's someone talking and wonder woman doesn't know what's happening. And like, you're, you're it's kind of leading you to this thing. And it's like, Put the credits on the like right. on the two page spread of page two. It does like, not serve the story in any way. <laughs> it just doesn't. Yeah, it, it it that sort of thing drives me nuts because it's like I I want to enjoy the entire package and I totally. want to, you know, I don't. It's sort of like having a, I don't know. It's like you know, I'm, I'm like when you. I w- watch a new show, I'm looking at like IMDb and I want to see like who's this actor. I really like this. It's like this interactive thing, and then yeah. It would be like if, they, if you watch a TV show and nobody knew who like made it until the very end, and they were like, "It was written by this guy." <laughs> yeah, it's like Brian. I was Brian. I got to mute you because we got a bunch of other people trying to get in here, man. But it is good to talk to you, Joe. You were saying, yeah, it's you know, it's a false sense of importance. Yes, it's like, all right, look, man, this gravitas is not really earned. Right, right, and not to mention the fact that like if it's an ongoing series and you're in the middle of a run. What is the goddamn point? We know who's doing it. Yeah. We will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsor. We wanted to tell you about Omaha Bound's latest Kickstarter project. Omaha Bound are premier book binders that specialize in binding comic books into amazing, one-of-a-kind, hardbound editions, completely customizable to your specifications. Omaha Bound's latest project is a collection of Paul Tobin and Phil Hester's Fringe, originally printed by Caliber Comics in the 1990s and reprinted for the first time collected ever. Oh, by the way, the series never ended, but now you can read the end. This new reprint includes a newly written ending to the story, new spot illustrations by Hester accompanying the new ending, new cover by Phil Hester, and an introduction by Zach Davison. We're going to have a link in the show notes to their Kickstarter where you can see preview art and more. These trade paperbacks are ready to print and are print by order only, so they will be very limited. So you pledge, if you want to own this beautiful collection of early works by Tobin and Hester, you will also get a copy of the Fringe Pencils and Inks. It's a companion piece that has 100 plus pages of original art, sketches, and other artifacts. It's printed in full color, and like I said, they are ready to print. So you order this, and boom, it's shipping right out to you. Plus, you'll also get a copy of the Wretch Omnibus, which collects every Wretch storyline, including a new one by series artist Phil Hester that he did in 2019, and the Wretch Pencils and Inks art book. Go check out their Kickstarter. Get in on four exciting, beautifully curated hardcovers, printing Fringe and the Wretch for the first time with new content. 
I want to send a huge thanks to Omaha Bound for supporting this show. And go support these guys. Contact them if you want to get your hands on these unique collectibles or you want to get your comics bound into a one-of-a-kind hardcover collection. I know on their website they had an X-Factor collection all lined up and the spines lined up with the team showing the the Larry Stroman X-Factor stuff that I love so much. You can find them at omahabound.com. Now, back to the show! Frank Cirillo, you are unmuted, sir, and I hear crazy children in the background, so we know the kids are still alive, which is good. (laughs) Yeah, they are. (laughs) How's everybody doing? Good. How are you Um, doing, man? Good, man. My daughter's watching some kind of animated Jurassic Park TV show, so I I have no idea what it is. Yeah, exactly. What? Huh. I mean, I know there was a Xenozoic Tales cartoon a while back that sucked, but... Yeah, uh, probably not that, Matt. It's probably not Xenozoic. Or no, tales. I think Cadillac no, and Dinosaurs is what I was thinking of. It was Cadillac. No, and it's 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 legit like Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah no, it's like and it's 3D animated, so I'm not quite oh. sure what it is. Huh. I will report back next week. Yeah, please do. Let us know. Okay. I want a full synopsis. <laughs> yes, here you go. Not really, but you know, uh, I could tell you all about the cartoon Bluey though. Woo. It's really good though. That it's sounds great, good. and we'll save that for our uh, adults talk yeah, kids yeah. cartoons cast. But yeah, that would be cool. But okay, so I called. <laughs> when is that happening? Because yeah, I want to be in on real it. quick here. Um, We're gonna start reviewing right. like, but it's got to be like for kids five and under. You know, yes, <laughs> like yes. adults that don't have kids review cartoons <laughs> for kids five and under. That would be oh, a show man, I would that, listen that, to. That automatically disqualifies me. I got I got two, two of them. But here. you could listen to it and appreciate it from like, oh man, yeah, that's true. I wish that's I never true. had kids. These guys sound like they're having fun. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, there is that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I just wanted to remark about the um, uh, Jen, the casting for She-Hulk. Sure, and, and I love it. I love I, I love the fact that there's going to be a, a She-Hulk TV show. Um, I'm only familiar with the actress through uh, Orphan Black. Orphan Black was wonderful. So yeah, yes. so yeah. Um, so I'm not, you know, I don't know any of our other work, but I mean, I'm really looking forward to this and I can't wait to see a She-Hulk show. Uh, that's, you know, it's right up there with a Hulk show, but She-Hulk. And I, like I said before, I am that old that I do remember when the first issue of She-Hulk came out. Yeah, man. And it was that, yeah, I was at a friend's house and I saw it and I was like, what's this? This is awesome. And I read it and I was like, oh, I got, I got to see that. And I never got another issue. So I was at Osco Drug. And it wouldn't have been like the very first one. This would have been the John Byrne She-Hulk where like the pink color oh. and she's threatening to tear up your X-Men books or whatever. Yeah, no, this this was that Sal Buscema, you know, cover. Or no, no, it was John Buscema cover. John Buscema, yeah. Where she's like oh, the awesome. hip swinging yes. Jen with like the scarf. <laughs> yep, <laughs> you know? yep. It was like so 70s. It was, it was so awesome. cute. Oh, God. Loved it, loved yeah. it. Uh, and I, I um, talking about, you guys are talking about that. Somebody mentioned the Eternals movie. If there's not a Celestial movie coming out after that or the Celestial start banging into the Marvel universe I then then they're doing it wrong hey shh. yeah okay. I don't think you can do the Eternals without mentioning the Celestials right I, right, right you can't well I think no. the Eternals movie is all about the Celestials it's gotta be is it? right ooh, ooh I'm excited yeah that cause they're awesome. in they're in a bunch of the promo art and stuff okay all right, I haven't seen the promo yet, so I'm uh, I'm just going on what I'm. Get it together, Frank! About. Come on! Oh my God! Jesus, Frank! So, yeah, yeah, yeah! I got two more things, and then I'm going to go because I'm getting yelled at by a seven year old. I understand. Uh, <laughs> seven year olds are the, terrifying. You can't hit them. Yes. You'll go to jail. They basically have mm-hmm. all the power. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> yep. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, it was. Uh, oh man, now I can't remember. I'm gonna. So let me let me get to my other thing, and I'll remember the other thing. Okay. So 
talking about the nitpicks that we have, I hated, hated, hated the belts, all of the belts around the legs, around the arms, around, <laughs> you, know, the, you know, the chest. Specifically the 90s we're talking here. Specifically the 90s. Yes. It was ridiculous. Okay, because have you ever actually put, so I go to a lot of Renaissance fairs and stuff, and I have this like metal torque that I put on my arm over my bicep. Have you ever put anything around your bicep and how much it hurts a lot if you like flex your arm too much to go pick something up? Yeah. I mean, professional so, wrestlers did that to make their like steroided veins jump yeah. out, you know, but yeah. that was literally the only reason. There's there's yeah. never a time where I was like in the middle of action and I was like, if only I had a belt on my right yeah. bicep yeah. with a I need a pouch. belt on my you know, <laughs> I got a belt on my thigh. Yeah, I like, oh, I've run out of one. bullets. And if only I had more <laughs> bullet pouches on my <laughs> biceps. <laughs> you know? I, I, ha- I hated, I, I hated the belts. I hated the belts. And along with the belts, the thing, other thing I hated was this tiny little t- feet and the tiny little hands that somebody we know draw. Yes. But I, I'm not going to mention it because I know people like him. I don't know why. Mm. Just not, no, look, you know. there's nothing wrong with making fun of the way Rob Leveals draws okay noses and feet specifically because it's weird it's just weird yeah and it became a thing in spite of that because people grew up looking at it and they love it the same reason that like i you know loved mike mignola because his stuff was weird later on uh, yeah he became a massive legend and and whatnot but there was a long time where people made fun of mike mignola too like this guy's barely drawing like what is this he was definitely an acquired taste Right, you oh, know? definitely. Now, yeah. I'm not saying that, like, I'm putting Leefield on the same pyramid of talent no. <laughs> as Mike Mignola. <laughs> but I get why people like it. It's throwback. It, it does its thing. He never really improved much since then. In fact, I'd argue maybe he's gone downhill. Uh, Jeannie <laughs> Catch in the chat says, not to yep. mention the 2,000 teeth that he put uh-huh. in everyone's mouth. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Everyone had a lot of teeth. Rob Leefield uh, has no idea what teeth look like or how many you have. <laughs> so that's for certain. <laughs> uh, so uh, just to take the burden off of Frank, because I know he's got a, enough to deal with, the show in question is Jurassic Park Camp Cretaceous. Oh. Oh. Which okay, debuted cool. on Netflix yesterday. Didn't we learn in uh, Jurassic Park 2 that kids and dinosaurs don't mix well at all when the little girl gets ooh, eaten on the beach? All. I mean, we th- should have learned that in the first one, yeah. right? Yeah, we, we learned it every movie, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's an all-ages adventure series, and it features the good places Jamila Jamil as a camp counselor. That's go. fun. All right. That is fun. Frank, go get attacked by your kids. It's good to talk to all you, right. man. Good to talk to you guys. All right. Bye, buddy. <laughs> JD got to catch his head, his hand up patiently. He just uh, mentioned teeth in the chats. JD, how are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Nice to have you back. Doing sir. great. You don't get to just take weekends off. All right. Sorry, buddy. It's not how this works. So, okay. Sorry. I was <laughs> on my way to Kansas City. But, don't worry. Okay. You'll be beaten later. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm not going to have any time off for a while now because I am proud to announce that I finally got a job. Hey, look at this guy. Nice. After six months of, well, since February 28th. <laughs> so I start Wednesday. Good for you. That's good. Yeah, what you doing? Uh, I'm going to be a search strategist for Universal Information Services. I know exactly what that is. 
Do you really? No, I have no okay. idea what that. I was trying to make you feel better. You know, <laughs> uh, they're they're basically a PR media monitoring company. Oh, cool. They've been around 114 years. They started out as a press clipping service. I was going to say, has media been around that long? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. So good for you. Uh, but yeah, well, I wanted to answer the uh, answer of the week. Let's do it. Um, I've answered this one before. Uh, Back in the days when Keith was on, he and I went on about this for quite a while on one episode. But my biggest pet peeve in comics, especially with as many characters that do it, is when they get archery wrong. Oh, yeah. I do remember you guys talking about this. You know, when an artist draws the, you know, Hawkeye or Green Arrow pulling the, you know, the arrow on the wrong side of the bow, or if they've got either of them using a compound bow and they pull back all the strings. Yeah, it, it doesn't work that way, guys. Now, real quick, <laughs> let's, let's just talk about, let's talk about Hawkeye and Green Arrow specifically. I okay. get, if you're an archery nerd, I see why that bothers you. Makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. What about when, say... I don't know. He puts a boxing glove on the end of an arrow and shoots it. Does that bother you? <laughs> no, because there's, there's plenty of different, you know, variable ammo that you can do with, with archery. Um, and yeah, the boxing gloves a little crazy. What about boomerang oh. arrows? Because that's a thing. <laughs> We've seen him do that. <laughs> uh, I actually, I really like how they address that on uh, justice league unlimited where um, his trick arrows were like, uh, uh, the arrowheads were these super compressed canisters. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that was cool. Uh, and so you know he didn't uh, he didn't just have like the world's largest quiver with right. a boxing glove stuffed in it and yeah, a folded right. up boomerang stuffed in it. <laughs> Anti shark spray, this, you know, arrow. Yeah, right. Shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was in this super compressed canister, and then when he fired it, is when it you know yeah unfurled or whatever. Right, right. right. Um, uh, David Aja did a really good job with Hawkeye and the uh, and the the trick arrows in that one episode or in that one issue where there he he gets the car and they have the big chase scene on the bridge with all the little Mini Coopers. Oh yeah, yeah. Tracks tracksuit Draculas, and we keep seeing all the different arrows. And if you look like even the boomerang arrow, the way they don't do a big explanation, but even just the way Aja draws it, you can see the counterweight and how it would pull the arrow. Yeah, sure. I remember David Aja talking about studying it because yeah. you're not alone. Like when they do this stuff, there's a contingent of archery nerds. Go figure. <laughs> archery nerds also like comics. Big shock. I bet you can yeah. find them at the Renaissance <laughs> Fair as well. I mean, I don't think it's <laughs> not that crazy of a stretch, but like they would be like, man, I fucking hate it when people do this to archery and comics. And they mm-hmm. like started shouting out David Aja and they're like, look at this guy. He knows what he's talking about. And David Aja was like, yeah, I actually like mm-hmm. learned to shoot a bow and arrow before drawing this because I wanted it to look good. You know, I wanted yeah. to know what it felt like and stuff, which that's awesome. I don't think a whole lot of creators are like, well, yeah, I wanted to learn how a bazooka works before I let Nick Fury blow up that <laughs> tank. <You know>? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Except for whoever wrote, uh, what was it? The Punisher Armory. The Punisher Armory. Who wrote that crap? God, I forgot. Do you guys that. remember that yeah. book? Yes. <laughs> It was basically illustrated guns and ammo. <laughs> yeah, you no, know, it definitely was. But yeah, they, Mar- I mean, Marvel had a guy that they went to for technical illustrations like that. This he is back in the, the day, like, though. Well, yeah, this was would have been nineties, probably. Yeah, this is back in the day um, before guns killed people. That's back when guns were just <laughs> awesome, you know. 
Uh, Elliot yeah. R. Brown was yep, your that's Punisher. the guy, Elliot R. Brown. So, like, when you're reading the Marvel handbook and it comes to the Baxter building mm-hmm. and there's a cutaway that's cross him? section of, like, the interior of the Baxter building. Yep, that's Elliot R. Brown. Uh, the, cool. You know, the, the diagram of Spider-Man's web shooters. Yeah. That, that was the guy. Nice. If you search um, Elliot R. Brown comics and then go to images, it's nothing but, like, kick Ass. technical drawings technical yeah. drawings of oh, like iron man's hand and like <laughs> the fantastic car and like oh man i this shit is so cool i want posters of this well speaking uh, of technical stuff in marvel uh you guys reviewed uh, the iron man book this week the new one and i it hasn't come to the lake house yet but you guys had a pretty interesting talk between batman and iron man about taking characters back to basics right and i think uh, you know we've talked about it ad nauseum but it was just you know, I think uh, Zdarsky's Daredevil is, I think, the blueprint for that. Oh, definitely. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I he's mean, not literally. The, he's not the first to do it, to be fair. But he's I think not, but he's, he's following the, first, the blueprint very well. I'll say that. Yeah, and also I think he did it in a way in a way that was kind of broke the mold of. He didn't have to completely kick the shit out of Matt. Right. You know, he he kind of you know put him on on a on a you know. He literally had Matt kind of just go, what the fuck am I doing? Right. And, you know, he kind of came to it himself, but it was very meta in that aspect. But, yeah. And I've actually gotten used to the black costume. I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, great. As soon as I get used to the black costume, they put him back in the red. But <laughs> I don't I, I, I was done. I, don't, I, never, I never got used to the black costume. I don't want the black costume. Daredevil is one of those characters. And I think this could actually be a good question of the week sometime. Like characters who are too iconic to change mm-hmm. the look. Oh, there's yeah, a like very Spidey. short list. Very yeah. short list. Like you can, with Spider-Man or Superman, like, yeah, you can adjust the size of the spider symbol or you can make mm-hmm. the S a little pointy if you want. But even when you do that, Superman nerds will be like, I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill your children. I'm going to kill your parents. <laughs> like, you put that yeah, S I back. Remember, <laughs> yeah, I remember that the, when Mark Wade first took over the book uh, in that kind of iconic run with uh, Chris Samney, uh, and they did a minor tweak of the costume. Like yeah. they shortened the boots and, yeah. you know, and the gloves and, and they uh, did something with the batons, I think. Uh, but it was just, it was just super. Oh, and they made the, the D's bigger. Oh yeah. 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 I do. Yeah. 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 It was lame. It but was lame. No, well, no, it was, it was almost like, it was almost un, unrecognizable, not even un, not unrecognizable. But like you almost didn't notice. If they wouldn't have pointed it out, I wouldn't have noticed. It's still the red costume. Maybe you right. wouldn't notice. <laughs> I mean, and and he was only he was only following in the footsteps of what Joe Casada did. Right. Yeah. When they relaunched the book for Marvel for Knights, Marvel is that Knights, he did, yeah. he did the short the short gloves that didn't go all the way up his forearm. Yep. Right. Uh, you know, like they, it was more like um, ninja attire, not like yes. a costume. Yeah, right. Definitely. And I think that totally works for Daredevil. And I, I'm with you there. It's like these tiny, like when you're just putting your own spin on it, that's different than putting him in something completely different. It's like, fine, Jim Lee, you want to put some wristbands on Superman's outfit? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They don't make any sense, and half the time artists don't even draw them. But whatever. Right. Um, <clears throat> uh, real quick, I'm just going to share this screen of Elliot, uh, our friend uh, Elliot R. Brown's Hawkeye's bow and arrows. So nice. cool, sonic arrow, explosive tip arrow, and he's got like he did a great job. Like these all look wow, like and something you can he could and shoot. you can yeah. This is the these are the arrows from yeah. 
from the Aja run because I mean the, the that's the boomerang arrow with the yeah. counterweight, the putty arrow, pull it around. cable arrow, suction tip arrow. <laughs> yeah, man, this guy I forgot about Elliot R. Brown. He rules. <laughs> So uh, I noticed you guys didn't mention in the news, or I didn't catch the whole news segment, but did you me- guys mention the DC Universe drop in the comics officially? Uh, no, they're dropping the or video the, content. The video. They're, yes. Yeah, they're just doing the comics. Uh, in so a move that pet- should shock no one. Yeah, this is another pet peeve that I have uh, recently is every news article I see about DC Unlimited or DC Universe or whatever the app is called, they keep saying that it's cheaper than Marvel Unlimited. And it's not. <laughs> it's it cheaper is, if, if you're, you're paying, paying monthly. Month month. Yes. But if you're paying annually, they're $10 more. And I just feel like that's, I don't know. I just feel like they're picking and choosing their data in order to, you know, make a news point that's not there. I mean, if you look at it averaging, they're about the same. Yeah, but I mean, yeah I, yeah, I agree with you on one on the one hand, JD. But on the other hand, like some people can't afford to pay annually, and True. some people are paying month to month, and it is less expensive if that's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or they're you know they're months. they're paying for it, yeah for a few months, and then and and dropping it for a while. I'm curious right. to see now that they have announced that the video goes away, I, and I don't think we'll ever get the numbers, but I'm curious if those numbers go down, if people go, screw it, or if everybody that was buying it, it's like, well, look, I'm here for the comics, and it's just a bonus that there was video. I'm, sh- I'm, shocked, that they're ke- I'm shocked that they're getting away with keeping this, the price the same. They're taking content too. away, and they're keeping the price the same. I think that's a really um, bad look. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I kind of don't envy them because I'm not sure how they could get away with making it any cheaper. True. Well, I mean, yeah, um, DC right now is, I mean, they're <laughs> they're doing everything they can to stay afloat from what it seems. Although yeah. they did just announce that like they signed Cavill to a three more like Superman appearance deal. So did they really, yeah. So they're throwing money at this Justice League crap. They it's well, they've already decided the Snyder cut's a hit. They've already decided is, that. The casting has never been an issue with the DC stuff. No, right. Like I even like Batfleck. You know, no, I I, I agree. I, thought, I think that he could have been really great. I have no yeah. problem with him as Batman. It's what they made Batman do in the movies yes. that I did not care for at all. Right. You can't but say, him in the costume, him in the costume is solid. I great. love that costume. You can't say that like it was Ben Affleck's fault that they wanted to write nope. Batman as a murderer who was going to push a kryptonite spear into Superman's brain. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, they should have really played up the back tattoo. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> Uh, you know, just like give me that shot of Bruce Wayne in the Batcave doing pull-ups upside down with his back tattoo. <laughs> I'm just concerned that DC is in a panic move, is doubling down on this Snyder Cut shit and going, no, this is what you want. We know what you want, and this is it. We know it, and this is all we can do. We just got to do it. We can't it's admit like any they failure. Can't Im- they don't want to admit they made a mistake. Yeah. So they're just going to, well, just, just going to like, don't look, look over there. Well, I also feel like it's not <laughs> even that anymore. And now I feel like they feel like they didn't make a mistake. Oh, guess what? Uh, we didn't look nah, like this is, so this, people are excited. <laughs> this is, this is where I'm at with it right now. Like every time anybody does a presentation about the future of the DC, uh, 
film universe. I'm not sure why they call it the extended universe. It's just called the DCU. I think they call it the extended universe because it's not connected at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they are like, they are saying, look, the flash movie is a, is a reset button. Okay. The flash movie is a reset button for us. And you will see where we're going with it. It's truly going to be a DC movie multiverse, which means there will be room to do a Henry Cavill Superman movie that has nothing the fuck to do with Zack Snyder. Yeah. I think that's awesome. You know, time travel, re- time travel reset movies have been, you know, there's a long standing tradition of those really working. I mean, just look at, uh, you know, X-Men days of future past. Uh, you know, that's, a, yeah. that's an example of how, Thank how you. it worked, you know, awesome and kept, kept, you know, you know, just fixed everything. I mean, it definitely made nerds a little bit more hopeful following you know, the disastrous direction the X-Men movies had taken prior to that. Oh, right. You right. Know? When Days and of Future so, Past. Yeah. Like when they did Days of Future Past and at the end of it, it's like we reset the timeline. Gene's back. Cyclops is back. Professor X is back. No, let me ask everybody's you this, friends. Though. Beast is there. Let me ask you this. What if right after that they had a cable special on HBO? We'll say, I mean, I'm just making up, you know, we'll say HBO mm-hmm. where they were like, yeah. here's the old X universe, but we're doing it right now. And it's like super <laughs> yes. long no, and it's, I get and it. we it's... broke it into five parts, bros. Like what sense well, we does that, that make if you're going to move ahead a different direction and reset everything with this flash movie, which I hope they do. What sense does it make to do this damn Snyder cut? Yeah, just for shit. Because and they think there's money in it, Matt. That's the only reason they do any of it. And if you want to say, okay, it, like there's nobody universe. at WB that's like, I think this is the bold storytelling direction the DC movie universe needs. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, that, no, the Snyder Bros are louder than us. Yes. Right. And yeah, there's I'm sure that there are fewer of them. I get it, the silent major or minority or whatever, or the loud minority. Vocal minority, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and but the reason that they're doing it is because they think they're going to make a buck off of it. And that's right. the beginning and end of it. Right. JD, uh, we got a caller coming in. So I'm going to mute you because they've been calling Adios. all day. Good to talk to you. Bye, brother. buddy. Talk to you. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? Uh, Anthony in Connecticut. Anthony in Connecticut. It's been a while, brother. How are you? Yeah, I call in every three months. Yeah, well, you know, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> You're a four yeah. time a year kind of guy. <laughs> and that's cool. <laughs> What do you want to wrap about? Uh, okay, let me get to it. Uh, Thumbtown getting canceled. Bullshit. Love that show. Yeah. Uh, uh, what I'm reading, uh, catching up on Dan Slott's Silver Surfer run. Uh, so I don't care about fun. Silver Surfer, but I love this run for some reason. I loved it. I care about Silver Surfer, and I loved that run. Oh, my God, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, my yeah, nitpick. Truly great book. I, yeah, I'm loving it. Uh, look, my nitpick is... I can't get over this. There was an, there was an issue of Spider-Man written by Bendis where there was a panel where he had a, a detective calling into a building to, to say something. And, and the detective says, the detective says, this is Brooklyn PD. Get out here. And I just dropped the book at that point because 
There is no Brooklyn PD. Uh, for those who don't know, freeze, please, police. Familiar. <laughs> what? New York, City, New York City is broken up into five distinct uh, geographic regions known as the five boroughs. Right. It doesn't matter where you are. It's all NYPD. Right. <laughs> I don't, I don't look fine. Bendis wrote it. I, it, 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 <laughs> But I don't understand how it got past the artist and the letterer and the editor and an office that is centered in New York City. I well, don't get it. To be fair, like Brooklyn's a lot cooler than the other boroughs. So maybe when he yells Brooklyn PD, you understand that like he's a vegan and he is wearing single yeah, source I, cotton clothing. And like he only buys mayonnaise from the single source mayo, like small mayo place down the street, you know, <laughs> like where they know the cows that make the or chickens that make the eggs that make the mayo, you know, like maybe it's a statement is what I'm saying. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I've never been able to get past that. That is very specific, but I will tell you my consistent nitpick, which I think is the intent of the question. It is when the action of a scene doesn't, of a panel doesn't make sense. It's when a, a punch is illustrated to go in one direction, but the person's body is falling in the other direction. Yeah. And, and I just say, okay, this action is nonsense and I'm out. <laughs> it makes no sense. There's a lot of like really well-respected, talented artists out there that are very good at drawing a picture, but not so good drawing like the actual point of view. You know what I mean? Don't you think I, they should choreograph the action? I, I would argue the, the great ones do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that is part of, a, of being a, a comic book storyteller is, is cleanly conveying the flow of movement through a scene and Absolutely. it's important and not everybody does a great job. I think the nineties yeah. were a really bad time for that, where we had artists that were drawing very flashy, flashy, pictures. flashy, flashy. Yeah. Like, Oh man, it's a guy with claws like Wolverine fighting another guy with claws like Wolverine. And they're like, it's a full panel and they're like clawing each other. And the next panel they're upside down. And in the next panel they're backwards and flying away. <laughs> like what's happening here? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. No. Well, I, I, I've said my piece. Uh, I'll get off so you can uh, talk to somebody else. All right, brother. It's good to talk to you. Thanks, Anthony. All right. Thanks. That's a good one. That's a really good gripe. It's one of those things that until you read a lot of comics, you might not notice that some of the really talented people that are doing this are leading you on a full on like point of view journey not just drawing pictures. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not, you know, you're not drawing six individual pinups right. on a page. Right. You're telling a story that should flow from point A to point B to point Z. Yeah. By the time you get to the bottom of the page. And yeah, like there are some artists that have mastered it. And then there are some that, do not that have not and um <laughs> yeah and like some really talented well-respected artists i mean look at jim lee that dude is certainly not famous for his cartooning ability he is a, a brilliant well-established artist but i would never call him a cartoonist if you would will well i mean I mean, we're splitting hairs with the definition of the term cartoonist. But. I guess, I guess when I think like cartooning, I think of someone who is like storyboarding, like from 
part to part to part. This is where the character goes. This is the next scene, like where he's facing. This is what he's looking at. This is them looking at him. I don't think Jim Lee thought like that. I think Jim Lee drew a bunch of pictures. Well, I mean, I think Jim Lee's gotten there, though. I think, yeah, he's definitely improved. But like, so, I mean, just cartooning for me is all about is about a style, not about a. Uh, a, a method, if you will, like fair enough. There are, you, you know, uh, when I talk about Roger Langridge and his cartooning, uh, you know, just like the expressiveness of his faces, the the background details, you know, things like right. that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I totally agree with Anthony. I think that it's it's um. I I think that a lot of times, even today. Uh, there's a lot more um, importance placed on style versus substance. Definitely. And, Definitely. you know, it's like, hey, look, sometimes a book looks real pretty. And then sometimes it looks pretty, but it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And we have definitely read comics like that and, and commented on it where it's like, I, didn't, I couldn't follow the flow. Right. Well, I think if you read them, if you read comics long enough, like old jerks, like we are, you just get used to people that do it really well, taking you from panel to panel to panel. And it doesn't become obvious they're even doing that until someone does a shitty job at it. And then all of a sudden you go, what? These aren't, this is not how the rules work. (laughs) Yeah. It's like when you're watching wrestling and the camera guy is in the wrong place. Because if you film the move right, it looks great. They killed it. They absolutely nailed it. But from the wrong perspective, it sure looks like the guy that's getting beat up is helping the guy beat him up. You know, yeah, you got to be really careful with that stuff. All right, let's get to these damn voicemails. In my years as a listener, I've done my share of nitpicking on the forums. I've asked a lot of powers questions about Aquaman's speed or why it looks like people who are flying and carrying things are are flying lower. That doesn't make sense when you're negating gravity. Or why Peter Parker's spider sense isn't going off constantly when he lives in New York. And of course the evergreen revisiting of underwater stuff, like stairs and lights and chairs in underwater environments, that doesn't make any sense. So when you pitched another opportunity to air some nitpicking, I'm on it. And this time it's a power I, I haven't nitpicked about before. Here's a question for you, Joe and Matt. Ever have a nasty cut How did your body heal? Not well. That's right. The wound, it it closes, doesn't it? That's how healing works. And and if you have a limb cut off, how how do people heal? Oh, that's right. The wound closes. You don't grow new stuff. And if, if you get shot in the abdomen, how do you heal? Oh, the wound, it closes. Your body doesn't decide, oh, this bullet doesn't belong here, and then slowly rearrange itself to push <laughs> the bullets out, back out. And, and hey, you know why people wear splints and casts when they're healing? So the bones set correctly when they grow back and heal. Is this problem and with I know, healing I know factors? Wolverine has adamantium bones, so they're not breaking, but Deadpool, X-23, Sabretooth, or even your run-of-the-mill vampire character, they don't have adamantium bones. They break and they heal right up, straight as can be. I hate it. Huh. The depiction of healing is awful in comics. Uh, and, yeah, I, I wish something was made of it. So my other response is jumping. I don't think comics handle jumping well. Unless you have a power, you shouldn't be depicted as being able to jump over people's heads regularly. <laughs> but that's it. Happy nitpicking, nerds. Be well. I never really thought of it like that. But, yeah, like... 
how does Deadpool's bones know to like heal the right way and not just like randomly start healing as soon as they're broken and so his arm is just like a zigzag afterwards. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> the way I understand, like the way my brain makes sense of a healing factor, which is of course an absurd concept to begin with, um, is that like <clears throat> the power is is basically like restoring the body to its factory defaults. Okay. You know, it's working yeah, off yeah, of yeah. a template. Yeah. So it's like, I understand, like, I understand that like the physical nature of a broken bone and how you have to have a doctor, like put that shit back together. Sure. But if your body's doing the work for you, then the body's just shifting the bones around. Yeah. Right. I, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, like, Joe, I hate to or, break this or to you. Re, or regrowing the bone whole and and just like dis, dissolving the old one. I don't know. Right. And I hate to break this to you, but this doesn't even make the top 2,000 of ridiculous things we have discussed on this show. So <laughs> No, I know. I'm just no, but like I, I'm with you in the sense like he's right, though. Wolverine's bones don't break. So that makes sense. Uh, to be fair, Sabretooth also had his skeleton lined with adamantium for a while. I don't know if it is anymore, but it was for a while there. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear you with what you're saying. Like, it's like the healing factor knows how the body is supposed to be. Right. And that's why it repairs it so fast, you know? Right. And, and like, the wounds just close instead of, like, they scab up real fast or something, you know? It's like literally knitting itself back together. So I would argue, yeah, it literally knits the bones back together, too. The jumping thing. I'll give him this. If you're not a character that likes Spider-Man or Captain America or, I mean, maybe even Batman, unless he's got something in his pants that are helping him jump, you know, yeah, you probably shouldn't be just like leaping over people's heads <laughs> like constantly, you know? I mean, if you're Shang-Chi and you're a super ninja guy or something, sure, I'll, I'll buy it. But yeah, I, I hadn't really thought of it. I mean, there's a lot of characters that don't like Nick Fury should not be flipping over people's heads. Yeah. But on the flip side, it's not like I have ever seen Scarlet witch do a backflip. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, but she it's can like, fly. So and she doesn't need to. Oh yes. But I'm saying that like, if you are one of the many superheroes in the Marvel universe, most of which are the equivalent of an Olympic athlete trained by captain america sure you're gonna have some skills like i get that you can't do like a standing 10 foot leap you know from a from just a f being flat-footed but right like if you were running at a guy i i might be able to buy that you can like pounce over him <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it gets a little iffy you know not a lot of olympic athletes can do that even if they are trained by <laughs> captain america i guess that's true um, good news. We have badgered John to verdict and called him a coward enough that he finally sent us an MP3. I am proud of you, John. Today you become a Hey, man. Joe and Matt. This is to verdict. Iron Man number one was great. Thanks for the recommendation. Um, however, your discussion about Batman needing to do the same back to basics thing sort of sent me on a inner rage off with myself in DC, which is why I'm leaving a message. In short, couldn't agree more with you guys what you said. I'm so sick of the white, hunky bat family all sounding the same. 
adding nothing as a collective other than bringing down the character of Bruce Wayne. Uh, one of my son's Lego Batman cartoons even alludes to this when they show him in the cave and Batman says, I'm a loner. And then behind him, the massive bat family swings into action and walks up to him. <laughs> when the cave had just Dick and Tim in it, it was interesting. You had this seasoned and somewhat cynical older kid with this new excited kid. Uh, but now between zombie Robin, demon son Robin, there's so many Robins that they end up calling Tim by his last name, which is super stupid. But bringing Jason back was, I feel like, the original sin. Jason was the one character whose death mattered, and it was sacred. It was almost like the Wayne's level death with his, you know, haunting costume hanging in the cave. Uh, and for that matter, I don't need the Wayne's back either. I don't need to know that Martha would have become the Joker because she wouldn't have. Just stop trying to jam genre jumping plots and characters into Batman to make him more interesting. He doesn't need it. Batman Inc. is another one that can go fuck itself. As you said, 80s Norm Brayfogle with Batman getting out of his Batmobile with his big ass windblown cape in his own head as he hunts a child murderer. That is extremely my shit. The joy of those old Batman stories were you had long stories to follow, but you also had episodic comics like Legends of the Dark Knight, Shadow of the Bat, really gritty detective shit. Yeah. Now it feels like there's too much of a barrier to entry. Uh, and I'm very well aware that I'm sounding like no comic books for old men, but I'm not necessarily <laughs> arguing to go back to that old school either. I think that there's mini X-Men problem where the accepted formula became adding more characters and more plot because the heart of the original characters and the original story got away from them. So I, I think there'd be interesting to have a sort of House of X style bat comic where this annoyingly incestuous and ineffectual bat family comes to a head and they start to resemble the, the cult that they've become. So maybe they start a bat hero worship that makes Bruce really uncomfortable and he dismantles the whole bat family. So you could even make Jason the leader of the cult and have it essentially destroy him and make a really cathartic ending for a really annoying character. Uh, he comes back only to be destroyed again by his own obsessive bullshit again. Anyway, that's it. Batman is annoying right now. Also, spoiler for Iron Man number one, so you can cut this uh, if you don't want to have a spoiler. But when the one character shows up to the party with his lightning idea, I immediately thought, oh, cool, future villain that Tony is blowing off at the party. Got it. That part oh, yeah. felt a little bit lazy. Other than that, the book was great. Thanks, guys. I mean, I think that was intentional. I think they were telegraphing yeah. that move from the from the beginning. Big time. But uh yeah i mean i look, it's batman I mean, day let's unpack batman let's do it i i love the batman family i'm sorry i do like they they should all have a distinctive voice but and and you know we agreed that in that detective comic uh 1027 bendis didn't really do a great job with that yeah um i love the batman but, family too i'm 100 percent with you but do we really need uh, a Robin and Red Robin and, you know, a, a Nightwing and and Batgirl and Batwoman and like spoiler. And like, do we really need this big of a Bat family? And I would argue this large of a Bat family that really isn't doing shit, that is just basically treading water and routinely hates Batman. But I'm not saying that's their fault. They routinely hate him because Batman is routinely a complete asshole to them. It, it, it just well, and I think this is a failing on the part of the writers where it's like, well, we need Batman to be edgy, right? You know, he's got to be this tough guy. Well, it's hard to be a tough guy when you've got seven kids. The, it, totally, and I would argue like the 
Jason. Let's just talk about Jason for a minute. I hate that character. And I, I would argue they have never done anything since bringing him back that I need in DC continuity, that I needed in the Bat books. I can't think of one thing that they have done um, with the Red Hood the, that I care about. I think the most interesting thing is that when he came back from the dead as a bad guy uh, during Judd Winnick's run, you know, where he was like a crime boss. Yeah, and it could have ended like, there. And he had become a villain. Right, it could have uh, ended there. But them like trying to force him back into the hero mold, but except, yeah, but now he's got guns. It's right. Like, eh, it's no like even in that Detective uh, 1027, he shows up with guns. And he's like, I'm here too. He's part of the Bat family. Batman at that point should be like, get the fuck out of here. Go. Oh, wait, no, you cannot be a hero with guns. That's not how it works. You're not on this team and you're not on the family. Get lost. Yeah. I, it, it just doesn't make sense. And I, I can't stand the character. I think one of the only characters that they had done well was Nightwing. I mean, it was Dick because Dick graduated, became his own thing. And they just got so far away from what was great about that idea that now Nightwing is pretty much superfluous, doesn't do shit. I really like Damien. I think it's a cool idea to have the son of Batman, Damien there as Robin, but they sure did Tim dirty. And why do we need Tim? Like, why is he even around anymore? Uh, fans love him. We screamed and yelled when they took the most interesting part of Barbara Gordon, Oracle, when they took that away from her and put her back in the Batgirl suit. Who cares? I don't care. Yeah. No, I, I agree to an extent. I, I think that they, they keep expanding the Bat family and Scott Snyder was guilty of it too. Where it's oh, like, yeah. well, I got to add my own Bat kids. I got to, we yeah. got, we got Duke and we got um, Harper Rowe and they tried to make her a oh, superhero. God, I forgot about that. Like, enough. It, enough. It, like, I get it. it. It's too big and it doesn't work. It clashes with the aspect that they're also trying to capture with Batman being, you know, an angry loner. Or right. Whatever. Right. So, yes, I agree. Or, I agree. or Batman it, working as a duo, as a dynamic duo. We, right. I'm fine with that. Like he's the stiff teacher, ninja master, jerk, whatever. That's like, has to be this way because he's afraid that this kid's going to get killed, but he also knows that he needs to pass this on at some point. Fine with that. But having a gigantic bat family that doesn't do shit makes no sense to me whatsoever, other than it helps DC sell more comics. That's it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the reason why they do any of it. Superman doesn't even have the one guy that loves everybody and does have a kid doesn't even have like a gigantic super family that's flying around and helping. There's like well, Superboy and Supergirl. That's it. They're working on it. That's close. We got two Superboys and a Supergirl now. Yeah. That's true. So well, Batman still yeah. hasn't beat by like nine. So sure, yeah. <laughs> it's just silly. All right, let's finish this up because we keep repeating ourselves. All right. Whoops. I'm gonna repeat yourself. You are. Good day, nerds. It's uh, it's Jimmy here. Uh, I want to apologize. I don't have an answer <sighs> to question of the week. To be brutally honest with you, I haven't thought about it much. I've um, I've had a hell of a week, dudes. I. You know, nothing huge, but, you know, I, I've mentioned before I work in a video game retail. I'm not going to say in what capacity at all, but just rest assured I'm very good 
at my job. <laughs> I love what I do. I'm very successful. And humble. I'm also very kind. I'm, I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm bald. I'm, I'm, I'm very sensual sometimes, but I digress. Um, this week was a bit crazy, and I want to talk about it. Uh, you know, you've, I'm sure you guys know Sony dropped the bombshell and the PS5 orders went live, and I've got to say, to quote the great Ace Ventura pet detective, holy testicle Tuesday, you guys. Now, I want to just paint a picture here, a word picture in this scenario. I'm the silver surfer. Right, and Galactus, Galactus is my customer base, and uh, they're coming to gobble up the Earth, which is the, the PS5. And when Galactus arrives and he's like, hey, Silver Surfer, what you got for me? Like, hey, man, I've got like half of New Zealand, some buildings in London, maybe Hawaii. What, what I'm saying is, guys, demand a far, far outweighed supply, and it's been, uh, it's been, it's been fun. It's been cool. It's going to get crazy. But what the hell? What do you guys think about that? These next-gen consoles, you know, the PS5, Xbox Series X. I mean, you know, I, I got mine. I ordered mine. I got my Demon Souls remake on order and, of course, Miles Morales. That looks super cool. Um, but, yeah, check it out. I'm off to bed. Good night. I love you all. Peace out. Bye. So I'm going to wait. I'm waiting. I've never bought a console new. Yeah, I... I, I... Like, I, don't get me wrong. I like the idea of new consoles, but quite honestly, I was really hoping that Google, whatever it was called, was going to take Stadia. off. Yeah, the Stadia thing was going to take off because consoles just seem so fucking limiting to me. It's just another box. And sure, you can stream on it. You can do all this other stuff. But I have like four fucking boxes I can do that with. You know, I would rather just have an internet connection that has a portal where I download these games and I play them in real time. Great. Love it cool and 500 bucks for the new ps5 i'm gonna wait miles morales looks awesome i'll play it but i'm waiting they're gonna put it on the ps4 so yeah uh yeah you know like i've never bought a console on launch day i've only the closest i ever came was the wii which i got you know within a, a, a couple weeks of its release and that's just because it was such a weird thing and the hype was so crazy that i i got wrapped up in it but sure um you know, like every console I've, I've ever bought as an adult has been at least a year into its life cycle. And I'm totally fine with that. I got more games now to play than I will ever have time to play. You're also safer that way too. Cause it seems like a lot of the times when these first hit, they're pretty buggy and they've got, they're some buggy stuff they gotta work or there out. aren't enough, there aren't enough games to justify the cost. Yeah. And, and like, I like, look, I want to play that Miles Morales game real bad. And when they announced this week that it was coming to PS4, I was like, there you have it. The thing that I'm worried I, about. I don't really need to make this leap. Actually, not even thing that I'm worried about. But with Xbox X and PS5, one thing that would push me a little bit, I guess, load time. Load time is obscene on the PS4 and the Xbox One. It's and I get it. The games are huge. They they have huge graphic engines that have to run them, and you got to download all that, and that takes a lot of time. And but even just like starting things up, the last two Assassin's Creed games, I mean, like you could literally count to five hundred while the game started up. It was just that's after you've downloaded it, and it's like on your system. So if they faster load time is exciting. I would like to see how fast that load time is, but we're at a point with graphics and gameplay that this can't be a giant leap in graphic content. It, will it look better? Yeah. But is it going to be like the difference from 
PS3 to PS4? I kind of doubt it. I mean, it's going to look good. Sure. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I've never, I still think graphics on older consoles look pretty dang impressive. Well, a and lot that's, of the time. So yeah, not to mention the fact that they keep releasing like throwback looking games because I don't know that graphics is the big push anymore. I think gameplay is a lot more important. A lot. No, nah, I mean, I think that there are still people out there that get obsessed with graphics, but I'm just not one of them. Um, <clears throat> you know, yeah, I, and when we're talking about graphics, we're not talking about like necessarily in-game graphics, in-game graphics, but, um, you know, smoother animations, more sure. realistic animations. But I mean, like know, the like, most popular video game in the world right now is Fortnite and Fortnite is not exactly the most beautiful game in the world to look at. It's, it's, you know, it doesn't, it's thing. also a totally different audience, right? It's, uh, but that's but, a lot where this is going. I think so. I don't know for me. I do love graphics and like, I do love cutscenes and shit like that. And, and I want them to be better. I just, I'm not willing to pay 500 bucks when I have a perfectly good PS4 that looks great plays great my only major bitch with it is la is load time and i'm not gonna pay another five hundred dollars for better load time see and that's what I, I i like it when games um they mask the loading experience where like uh the last of us part two it it loads at the beginning of the game when you start it up right uh for quite a while at least I'd say almost a full minute, if not a little longer. Um, but then I don't think I ever saw a loading screen again, even once. Well, like if you look at the Spider-Man game, a PS4, like the load screens, there were also hint screens that you could go through and be like, oh yeah, yeah, that's how I, it, I remember now. You know, or you know? it loads in the background during cutscenes. Yeah, you know, or that, it, brilliant. You know, where it's a more seamless experience as opposed to Red Dead Two. Yeah, on the Xbox. Uh, like anytime you were entering a mission, yeah, exiting a mission, yeah, uh, it was just like an interminable wait. It's like take five, cowboy, go grab a beer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which I mean, uh, but again, you know, that game was lush and beautiful. It was and, gorgeous. But uh, yeah, at a certain point, you know, the technical uh, demands outweigh the technical limitations, yeah. and that's when you run into these kinds of like game breaking. Immersion breaking, you know, problems. Yeah. I'm anyway. out of love with the boxes. I would rather, if I'm going to get something, I would rather something that I could play on anywhere I'm at. I could Bluetooth, you know, a controller to my laptop, to my Mac mini, to my TV that has, you know, a, a box that's internet enabled or whatever. I think that's much more interesting. And I think that's kind of where the switch wins in this situation. You can take that switch. It's small enough. You can take it all over the place. It's not the same experience as a PS4 or an Xbox, of course, but I do think that's the future. I don't think the future is in big consoles anymore, and it wouldn't surprise me if PS5 and Xbox, whatever it's going to be fuck, fucking called, are the end of the rule of those giant boxes. Wouldn't surprise me at all. We'll see. I mean, I still love a good box. <laughs> yeah, I'm done with so. them, man. I want a wireless... I want to walk away from it and take it with me, you know? <laughs> All right, let's get to our comic bitches, our nitpicks, our answers. Uh, you know, I, it's, it might be a little unfair for me to call this a complaint, 
because uh, I do believe it can be used to good effect. But I always, always, always notice when an artist repeats panels. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, and, you know, sometimes it's used for effect. Right. Uh, where it's like, this is a long, uncomfortable pause. So it's three panels of the same character. Or this is so shocking that they sat like this for four panels going, yeah, right. you know. <laughs> uh, and then sometimes it's lazy. Uh, and there's a great scene in Invincible. Uh, I would say pretty early on in the run, I, I think, uh, where uh, they're at a comic book convention and uh, I think it's William, the friend, is talking to this artist. He's like, artist of science dog. You know, it's like, oh, my favorite guy, artist of science dog. And, uh, <laughs> and the, it, the, the subject of repeating panels comes up. Uh, or, or he asks him something like, oh, how do you get this done so fast? Like, how do you get these, these books done so quick? And the artist is like, oh, I repeat panels every chance I get. It's great. <laughs> Sometimes I can turn out like a whole extra page in a day if I'm doing. And, and William's like, don't you think that's like cheating? And the, I think I can't remember if we were, if it was Ryan, I think it was Ryan Otley at this, at this point. And then the next page is Ryan Otley, an entire page of the guy, the artist, just like <laughs> making the same face, panel to panel to panel. Just and then like the last panel balloons. with a word balloon that says, nah. <laughs> it it um, is one of those things where it's like some artists try to get clever about it, where it's like they have a panel, you know, of a guy talking and then like two more panels. And then they've zoomed in on like the face of the guy from that other panel a little bit. And it like that, that is different. Like, I, but it's still a repeat. It's still the same. No, 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 no. I picture. don't mean, I, I think it's worse. Okay. Like when you are repeating a panel, but you zoom in on the same line art. Yeah. Like, it looks bad. It does. It looks bad. Cause it's you didn't like blowing. It's blowing up an image that wasn't meant to be right. blown up. And you didn't draw it that way. You right. did not draw it to be looked at under a fucking microscope. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't, I hate that. Yeah. I don't like it when they do that. It's garbage. Um, I guess I have two quick ones. One, I hate photo referencing and comics. I hate it. I can't stand it. One where you take, a really cool character and put them in front of a picture of a real background, like a building or a neighborhood. Oh, all right, well, I can't that's not photo stand that shit. No, but not photo everything, but using photos with drawn yes. art that yeah, extends right. to using uh, like CG, like developed backgrounds and shit. Three dimensional looking like CG shit with a flat drawn character is the worst. Ariel Levetti did it for a long time. And yep. I could not stand it. It takes me out of a comic so fast. I would rather that you don't do a good job on the background, but it's your art. Because that's at least going to make it look cohesive. Where, yes. God, it I just drives me up a wall. That's and a good one. The other thing I can't stand is the way that strength, both are strength related, but that strength is used. And I'm, and I'm not saying there should be a continuity Bible for every character. This is exactly how strong they are and this is what they, what they do. But when we see Superman pick up a building in one comic or move a planet in a comic and then in another comic, it's like somebody throws a car at him and he has trouble catching it, you know? <laughs> like, 
Sure. What's going on? (laughs) And final thought on strength. Whenever they pick stuff up, like Colossus grabs a car by the fender and easily lifts it over his head, and the car stays completely balanced by that fender. There's no structural weakness whatsoever where Colossus grabs it and rips the fender off, for example, because sure. he is stronger than the fucking car. <laughs> right. You know, and it, like you would have characters like uprooting trees by one branch and shit. You know, like, why doesn't the branch just break? That doesn't make any sense. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like I get totally. that they are superhumanly strong, but their superhuman strength does not extend to the rules of physics. That's stupid. Like, right. Superman, and the thing that you're lifting is not as strong as you. Right. Like Superman, uh, the, the engines go out on the plane and Superman grabs the bottom of the plane and like lands on the ground and he's holding it and the plane doesn't go crumple <laughs> around Superman. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, 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 that yeah. always drove me nuts. Totally. Uh, totally. Fun one. All right. Let's set up our new question. We got to get out of here. All right. This week's question was submitted by Frank Cirillo via the forums. This past week, I was talking to a friend about Superman, the animated series, and the subject of Mr. Mixius Pitalik came up, and I said that that character design was great. So his question, what comic book to animation design was your favorite, and which was just a failure? Love it. This Me too. This is a fun one. Cannot wait for this. We'll do it next week, right here, same THN time, same THN channel. Tune in, watch us live on Facebook. At 10.30 a.m., you got to like us first. So if you are a troll, you got to go out of your way to like us and then get invited to the Zoom to come in and ruin the show live. And that's a lot of work. So <laughs> I would I would love to have you. <laughs> Otherwise, call us, 402-819-4894. Shoot us an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Watch for a the question of the week, which you can also respond to on the Facebook chat. You can... Uh, tweet it at us, but don't try and send me a text, John Tavertic. You call. You call. Or I'm just going to start coming up with questions that specifically upset you. So you'll call every week. <laughs> For now, my name is Matt Baum. My name is Joe Patrick. And uh, we got to get out of here. What are we doing on the regular show this week? We're doing fifth week events. Fifth week events. In the com- and uh, our segment is our review of the Jack Kirby uh, the Life and Times of the King of Comics by Tom Seal. All right. That'll be fun. We'll see you on Wednesday. Or, pardon me. Thursday, the day after New Comic Day. We got to read all this crap first. Lord knows True. we don't get it ahead of time. We go to our comic shop and we buy every single one of these comics and read yes, them and review exact, them. That's exactly how it works it's every week. True. This is THN signing off.